When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, alongside executive producer John Seymour, videographer Nick Yale. Welcome in for another edition of the runaway surprise hit of the podcast season. Questions from the audience. I really enjoy doing questions from the audience. And uh, this time... Uh, I'm just going to scroll through them all and attempt to answer them all. Last week I went more extended. This time I'm going to ask it, and ideally I'm going to be able to answer it. I suppose I don't want to say blanket statement. I'll answer everything because then somebody's going to ask something. Going, oh, maybe I can get them to answer this, and then I might be like legally precluded from doing so. Um, but uh, for the most part, I will attempt to just answer everything and uh, enjoy another questions from the audience with the fine people who listen to the Tim McKernan Show, now entering in to our ninth month of broadcast excellence. Uh, all right, here, here's uh, the deal. Without the sponsors, the thing doesn't exist. It's, it's the truth. And I love doing the interviews. I love doing questions from the audience. But uh, I'll be real straightforward with you. It, it, the thing has to make money. If it doesn't, it's just not going to exist. It's, 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 not, it's just the way that it is. It's any business. Um, I think sometimes people, when it comes to broadcasting or, or sports or entertainment or whatever the case might be, don't want to view it that way or just don't view it that way. But I'm telling you straightforward, that's the case. So if you are a fan of the podcast, number one, if you're interested in advertising, email me at tmckernan at insidestl.com. Um, that's a number one. Number two, if you're not in a position to spend advertising dollars, uh, post a positive review on iTunes or wherever you may podcast. And based on our data, it looks like 90-plus percent of the people are listening via iTunes. Uh, that helps the business. Um, and then spread the word. I, I'm getting a lot of uh, emails these days from people who are like, yeah, I had no idea this thing existed, and now that I'm aware of it, I'm going back and listening to all these interviews and these questions from the audience, and I love it. So it's super cool that the podcast is becoming more commonplace for a lot of people who weren't podcasting. And now this is their way to, to do it because who knows someday, uh, the Ryan Kelly morning after might be a podcast only broadcast. So want to get the audience comfortable with podcasting and it's cool to see that it's happening. But again, it's a business when it's all said and done. And Ryan Kelly from the beginning has been on board as the studio sponsor 
of the Tim McKernan Show. He's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. If you are buying a home or if you are refinancing a home, you can simply go to thehomeloanexpert.com, click on refinance or purchase, enter in your numbers, and just like that, you're going to have an idea of what kind of payments you're going to be making. And that is so helpful as opposed to getting on the phone and going, okay, you know, I got to deal with this and somebody's going to try and sell me something. Find out for yourself. And then also do it with a company that continues to grow because they do things the right way, whether it be customer service, whether it be saving you money, they do it the right way at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly and his incredible staff, five minutes can save you $500. Just think that. Five minutes, less than five minutes, really can save you $500. Visit thehomeloanexpert.com, our studio sponsor here on the Tim McKernan Show. So where do questions get submitted? They get submitted for questions from the audience to tmckernan at insidestl.com. Fire away. I don't think you can ask something that would offend me. Now, what that means is somebody is going to take it upon themselves to try and ask something that can offend me. So I realize it's a terrible strategy. Now, of course, I can then just decline to answer. Uh, but my point is, feel free to ask whatever. I'm sure you're curious about some things that you're like, oh, he can't talk about it or he won't talk about it. Maybe I won't. Like, for example, uh, I'll give this as a background. This is a, good, this is a good example. Somebody asked me about the Eric Greitens investigation and how CAMOV, for example, uh, this is the example, uh, began the whole process by pursuing uh, the woman involved with Eric Greitens uh, by representing that she wanted to get uh, her hair cut, styled, whatever, at the hair salon at which she worked. And in reality, she was a reporter from KMOV. And, um, you know, some people understandably question the ethics of that. It's a fair question. Here's the situation. Uh, Doug, my co-host on the Ryan Kelly Morning After, has worked at KMOV, I think, since 87 or 88. And um, I think most people listening to this are probably aware of that. Some of you I know don't listen to the morning after, but for radio purposes, that's that. And then secondarily, uh, my brother has been working in sales there for a good long while. So, you know, it's a it's a conflict of interest. That's what it, now you might not like that. And I understand if you don't like it and you can call me a pussy or whatever, whatever, it's fine. But I'm just telling you that's the reason for that. Sometimes I'm not in a position to answer. Other times, if I answer it, it then brings other people into as opposed to just like embarrassing myself, for example. So that's kind of the parameters for what I will answer on questions from the audience. But I enjoy the discussions. They're, they're like mind expanding. These are my hallucinogens. So let's dig right in. You can either email them to tmckernan at insidestl.com or you can post on the TMA fan page. Even if you're not a, a big Brian Kelly Morning After listener, uh, the TMA fan page provides entertainment throughout the day. It's on Facebook. Type in TMA fan page. Let us dig in. You've touched on it before, but do you see a high-value play in taking your show to FM or creating something tailored for that side? I remember you mentoring money being left on the table when it came to FM radio. Uh, I think I'm going to do an autocorrect here. Uh, or there was an autocorrect there saying, I remember you mentioning money being left on the table when it came to FM radio. Um, I don't know what the context was on that last part. Regarding FM, um, there there has been interest in the Ryan Kelly morning after. Uh, there has been interest, um, I think, in all three of us individually at times um, to go to uh, FM stations. Um 
or AM stations or other AM stations. I think I can say that with with confidence across the board for not just myself, uh, but for Doug and for the cat as well. Um, something that that I have more recently than than perhaps in the past come to the conclusion of that whenever the morning after ends, I'm going to be the bad guy. I'm, I'm now I'm now like aware of that. Um, I've had a couple people tell me it, but now I'm like, yeah, I, I actually can see how like I can see like where the explosions will be and how the and no matter. So let's let's just say for for whatever reason, even though this is not going to happen, at least I don't expect it to happen. Let's just say I'm you know what? I love St. Louis. It's been my home. It's been incredible. 40 years living here, going to the University of Missouri, you know, only not living here for the seven or eight months I lived in Little Rock in my first television job. But my wife and I just really want to move to Jupiter, Florida, which is probably if there was a place we'd move, it would be Jupiter, Palm Beach Gardens area. And so I'm moving on. I want to do something differently, do something different with my career, pursue something else. People, I think, I think, I think people, I think many will understand, but many will also be pissed. Um, or if and when someone associated with the show is no longer on the show, I will be blamed, even though ad nauseum I say I don't operate the radio station any longer. Um, it just, it's, it still goes on. And I'm not, I'm not mad that the, because most of the people who say that type of stuff aren't like the people who are communicating on a daily basis so it's not their lives so i get it um you know why would like i don't know like the ins and outs of you know 99.9 percent of businesses so why would i uh, at the same time i'm not sending personal attack emails to people or posting stuff on social media about it but with that all said i get it i don't like it but i'm used to it so there it is so with that all said regarding the show and fm or one of us uh going to fm or doing something differently with FM, it cuts it cuts two different ways. This is my perspective because I have thought about it. Because there have been opportunities, there have been opportunities. One, two, three. I would say three stations, um, and I guess maybe you could say four ish. Uh, but I would I feel comfortable rattling off three if I were under oath. And I'd be able to corroborate that with people at those three places. So the FM, you certainly can, as there are people who do, make more money at an FM station than what I'm making right now. Here is the reason for that. And it's super inside baseball. And it's a podcast. And if you want to skip ahead, feel free. But I'm going to give you the answer. KFNS, you could put Howard Stern on KFNS. You could put somebody as talented, for example, as somebody that we do have, Frank Opinion, something as popular as The Morning After, whatever the case might be, but it isn't going to get Nielsen ratings. The station doesn't subscribe to them, and relative to pick your FM station of choice, uh, it's not uh, going to get ratings. It just does not. It just is not. So anybody who comes in, and we did have this happen with Dan Marshall, for example, and I'm not saying this to rip Dan Marshall at all, but the first conversation I had with him, he talked about ratings and how Bubba the Love Sponge was going to get ratings, and then that was going to lead into what he wanted to do, which was put me, Doug, and the cat and Frank together for a four-hour show, 
So there were two things with that that I was like, wow, these are just these are bad ideas. First off, combining the morning after with Frank was bad for Frank's show, was bad for our show, and moving us out of our time slot, bad, bad, bad. But how I knew it was going to be a failure from a business perspective is he was basing it on ratings, and I knew the station wouldn't get ratings, and anybody who would be doing any form of diligence would know that the station doesn't get ratings. It's just the way that it is. Now, the way that other stations will take shots at this station is, well, do you see their ratings? They don't get any. And I get it. I mean, I guess if I were over there and I had to to sell it, uh, I guess that's that's a, that's a, that's an easy tactic because most people don't know the details on it. Um, so let me let me put it this way: if you were to flip KFNS's lineup with 101 and put KFNS on 101 and 101 on KFNS with their lineup, and this has nothing to do with any of the hosts and shots and anything like that, KFNS the, the lineup of KFNS now suddenly would have ratings. That's what I'm I'm driving home. However, because you're on FM and because you have to adhere to people meters, um, you have to do, you can't do, you rarely can do, let me put it that way, the hour-long segments that we do on the morning after um, because you have to pay attention to the people meters. So usually it's in the 12 to 14-minute range. I believe the guys on the Rizzuto show, which airs at the same time as the morning after, and as I always say, obviously a super popular show in St. Louis, and really good guys associated with the show. Um, I've gotten to meet them all, know some of them better than others, but just good guys and super successful and um, don't have a bad thing to say. I only have good things to say about them. But the point being, they do sometimes uh, super long segments. But that's an outlier for FM. Uh, so that would be a drawback. Uh, if we were on an FM that was a music station, and music stations are certainly some of the stations that have been pursuing us. Uh you're in a spot where you got to play music. So I remember one of the most serious dalliances we had, which was only uh, two years ago, uh, a little more than two years ago. Was it two years ago? Yeah, two years ago. uh, That one of the people at this place that dissented from the idea of bringing the morning after over. And it was a great conversation. I mean, it was one of those big dinners with corporate people and so on and so forth, said, it's nothing personal because I know the show's super popular. I just think our audience will hate hearing you guys talk and your audience will hate hearing you guys play music. And so nobody's going to win. And I have to tell you, I thought it was an incredibly astute observation, even though it was somebody who was kind of standing in the way of the deal. If somebody says something fair, uh, you know, I, I respect it. And, and that that's so that's something that we would have to navigate, especially the music element and the fact that we most likely wouldn't be able to do the hour segments. The reason why there's more potential money, uh, it just depends on a deal structure though, is because you're selling to ad agencies and you say, well, what the hell's that matter? Well, ad agencies are the ones who handle the dollars for the big clients. So when you hear, let's just use Kirkwood Brewhouse as an example, just because I have a small ownership share in it and absolutely no operational control. If the thing's successful, I got nothing to do with it. And if the thing fails, people can celebrate and somehow blame me for, for it. But it's at this point, it's been around a year and a half. So whatever, but if it is success failure, I got nothing to do with it. It's like owning a stock on the New York stock exchange. So with all that said, uh, let's say I'm a Kirkwood brew house and I'm wanting to advertise. You go directly to the radio station and do the deal. If you are, a Fortune 500 company, um, let's use the example of McDonald's, you have an advertising agency. And the advertising agency 
doesn't go, oh, I know this show is really popular. The advertising agency is most likely going to be based out of a place like Chicago, New York, Dallas, Miami, L.A., Denver, something along those lines. And what do they buy? How do they determine where they're going to spend their dollars? They're going to do it by looking at ratings. That's why ratings are important. That's why the system exists. The issue with the rating system that most radio people don't talk about is that only about a thousand people meters go out to an area of uh, three million people in the St. Louis area. It's a sample size. Whereas with podcasts, I can see to the number how many downloads there were. Now that now that doesn't track exactly what was listened to because you can download it, but not necessarily listen. So there's a flaw in that system. But you still can see downloads to the number. Uh, so that is why, say, you make a base salary. Uh, but then you have a bunch of live endorsements or appearance fees for places that are bought by ad agencies. The point being you get a, com- you get a commission on that appearance fee, a percentage, whatever the case might be. And so you have your base plus that. And so for a number of people in broadcasting on really successful FM shows, uh, in St. Louis, uh, their base salary is actually less than what they make in the appearance fees and the live reads. That's how the business works. Um, So if you have a very popular show in the ratings, which you can really only get at a either huge AM like KMOX um, or an FM station, you're going to get those ad agency dollars, which KFNS is going to have a, a, is rarely going to get. That's just the business. It's not a complaint. It's just the nature of the business. So that's, the FM breakdown right there. Hopefully that makes sense. And uh, and if it didn't and it bored the hell out of you, use it as, you know, your, your form of ambient going forward. Uh, Tim, do you enjoy the political guests or sports guests more on your podcasts? It's a good question. And, and, the, and the honest answer is it's, 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 it's a neither and it's a neither because it, it can be either. So, for example... I think my favorite interview we've done so far is not everybody else's favorite, although a lot of people liked it, it seemed, but that was Mike Matheny because I felt like that was an accomplishment. That, And I don't know if you've listened to it, uh, I would recommend it because you hear Mike Matheny like you've never heard Mike Matheny. And I went into the interview going, man, I don't know if we're going to, I don't know what this is going to be like. I know where I want to go with the interview, but if he's going to stonewall me, it doesn't matter. We're, we could be done in 12 minutes. And then we wound up going like an hour and a half and it was just... It was great to hear. I think it, I think it can kind of be like a a book, so to speak, that people can check back into to hear his thought process if they're ever freaking out during the season. Um, and if and if an athlete or politician is interested in talking, it doesn't matter what the topic is. I'm I'm enamored. I love doing interviews. I love doing interviews. The way that I know an interview is going well or a way that I know an interview is going well is somebody who historically does not cuss, who then cusses and then catches themselves and goes, oh, I'm sorry, or oh, can we cuss on here because they've gotten comfortable. So just for you going forward as a listener, uh, there's a tell, and I love it. But that, that's because that's what these things wind up being. They're just conversations. I have a few things I want to ask. But usually my question comes from what the interviewee's previous answer was, just like a conversation happens. So, you know, somebody like Jack Danforth, I am enamored with him because I respect him so much and I feel like he's so sage and I feel like he's almost like the right answer 
so to speak, and he thinks before he speaks. But I also know that he talks very slowly and it's monotone. So I don't know if like a 22-year-old who's used to, you know, quick hits on Twitter and Snapchat are going to go, oh, I loved the Danforth interview. So it depends on what you're looking for. Um, you know, the interview, if I'm thinking of the interviews that people I've gotten the most feedback on, uh, the one that's airing this week, actually, Mark Montavani, it's not only getting a lot of positive feedback, but it's getting a lot of positive feedback about Mark himself. Um, and I guess I knew that it was going to stand out once we were in the middle of the interview. Um, but it, I think that interview, which I don't think was his goal. I mean, who knows? Maybe it was, but, uh, I think that's helping him. I'm not by any means sitting here saying Mark Montevani is going to get elected because he appeared on the podcast. My God, I'm arrogant, but uh, that would take arrogance to another level because hell, if Steve Stanger wants to come in here and talk, I'd talk with Steve Stanger. Uh, so it's, I got a skin in the game. But it's been interesting that there have been so many people who've loved that interview, and it's only been up now for two days. Uh, the Kelly Chase one, certainly. The uh, Chris Kerber one was probably the most enthusiastic one. Uh, but that just that speaks to hockey fans, you know. But at the same time, um, like people hearing Marcus Allen talking like that got a lot of response. And then I, th- I think the thing that I've enjoyed the most as far as responses uh, and I love, like I said, I say it and I mean it. Email me, tmckernan at insidestl.com, is when people will say, God, I really don't like that person. Or I don't like that person's politics. But now that I've heard him or her in this context, I at least understand where they're coming from. And so they give them a chance. And I've enjoyed that the most with regard to the political guest. And I'm flattered, you know, that in the case specifically of Mark Montavani, his campaign uh, manager and some of the people associated with his campaign sought us out. And that now I see all these political people are following me on Twitter, which has to be an eye opening experience. And they probably click in unfollow uh, after the first Keisha Gray retweet. But, uh, you know, that we're kind of becoming a political show <laughs> of record, which is not necessarily what I was intending. Uh, but alas, there it is. Uh, next question. I would, speaking of which, see this, I'm just reading the questions as we go. And so I get and get surprised by questions. I would like to see you interview Mayor Slay. Not sure what he is doing now, but maybe you can get him to open up a bit on the last decade or so of events in the loo. I can tell you that he is on our list. Uh, Mayor Slay, Jay Nixon, Chris Long. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some other ones who we really want to talk to. Uh, but those are three that right off the top. And again, this is in the, within the realm of reality. Like you can say, well, what about President Trump? Wouldn't that be cool? Uh, but in the realm of reality, like I think they can happen. I think they will happen. Uh, certainly, I would I would enjoy that conversation with Mayor Slay. Uh, I'm sure this has been asked before, but I may have missed it. If you weren't in sports talk radio and television, what else would you have liked to have done for a career, i.e. the whole what did you want to be when you grew up? To answer that question, it was a baseball player. Uh, and horrifically, up until getting cut from the freshman team at St. Louis U High, I actually thought it was real. Uh, and so, therefore, the day after I got cut from the freshman team at St. Louis U High, I spent the next year... Every day after school, which may have stunted my growth. I, I might have been on the way to being 6'4", but I, sp- I spent every day working out. And I was only 14 years old. And I don't believe a lot of doctors, trainers would advocate 
weightlifting when you're 14 years old before you hit puberty. I'm not sure I've hit it yet at 41. But I was so committed to making sure that I didn't get cut the next year that uh, I worked out relentlessly to make sure. And I did make the team, and then I wound up having Ricky Ankeel, Steve Sachs disease from second base. And, and then at that point, it became clear I was not going to be playing professionally. Uh, so along those lines, that was also at the time I was bussing tables at Pietro's, and I hated it. Uh, I didn't like the way that uh, some people there treated other people. Uh, and I remember thinking to myself, I never want to be in this spot again. And so I'm going to do everything I can to find something that I love to do and find somebody who will pay me to do it. The Lou Holtz quote I have made reference to before. Um, and so I thought, okay, well, I love baseball and I love the Cardinals, but it looks like I'm not going to be playing baseball for the Cardinals. So what's the next best thing? And then it became getting into broadcasting is ill-advised as uh, that might be. That's what the thought process was. And just because I'm, I don't know what the right word would be, batshit, um, I'm like, well, that, that'll that be what I'll do. As if I, I wasn't even conscious of, the of like, the math involved, you know. And I don't think I've been conscious of the math involved, like lottery ticket winning math to have what I've had, but also the opportunities that I've had. When you think about, like, how limited the jobs are, and how many people want them, I've been so damn lucky. And the reason I say it is because it's so irresponsible to move all in on something that is not as astronomical as far as odds go as professional athletics, but it's still unlikely, and that is broadcasting, um, that I think I've taken it for granted up until recently. But with that said, I recall specifically, I think I was in college, and this wasn't really my dad's style at all. Uh, but I recall specifically, we were having dinner at the Hampton Steak and Shake. And I was at Watson. Uh, the Watson Steak, Chippewa Watson. I don't know what the deal is. They change, but they're the same road. Either way, south side. And it was late at night. And he goes, you know, Timmy, maybe you should look into going to law school instead of this broadcasting thing. And I was like, Whoa. And I, I still, I, I ought to follow up with him and see what the hell that was about. But I remember him saying, that. I'm going, really? Kind of like, I don't have any interest in being a lawyer. You know, what the, but I think, I think, and I don't know why, maybe he had dealt with, you know, somebody in TV or radio that day or within the last couple of days and telling him how bad the business was. And so uh, he was on the sales side, is on the sales side, that he didn't want to see me go through what people had warned him happens in broadcasting. And so that may have been the reason. Um, so I never wavered from the broadcasting thing, which, like I said, now looking back on it was irresponsible, but that's the truth. Uh, similar to, I never wavered from playing baseball professionally, even though <laughs> I mean there was no way in the world that was going to happen. I was decent decent might be being very liberal with it. So, um, there, I never, the answer to the question is that was it, but there was one conversation about being an attorney, but it wasn't me bringing it up. It was my dad. Uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, have you ever considered running for public office? Uh, the answer to that is no. Um, I'm flattered that some people have legitimately suggested it. And when I say some people, I'm not talking about like a political party 
or people involved. Actually, I guess I could say one person who I would consider involved. And I jokingly said, all right, I'll get ready to run for Kirkwood City Council. And uh, she said, I think you could certainly do uh, much bigger than that. I think I am absolutely unelectable in 2018. I don't think that that should be the way that it is, but I think I am absolutely unelectable. Um, I am agnostic. I make no secret of it. I'm sure plenty of other politicians are agnostic, but, you know, they know that they won't get elected if they say it. Uh, And I have a different view on sex and sexuality, and I'm also very comfortable with that, and we'll talk about it. And I I don't know what two things could possibly be worse uh, if you're trying to win an office in Missouri. So uh, from that standpoint, and and here, here, here's the most important thing. So I'm talking about being here. Here's the most important thing. I know that I don't know much. You know, I know a few things, but I know I don't know much. So as opposed to like watching Maddow or Hannity and then plagiarizing that and then going on the radio or on Twitter and acting like I know what I'm talking about uh, or just pulling for my quote unquote team, whatever political party that might be, I know I don't know much. And so there are people infinitely more qualified uh, to do it. So, you know, for the greater good, I think it'd be best uh, that I don't consider running for office. But even if I was uh, so naive as to think that I actually could write economic policy and legislate on issues that I know nothing about, and I could make speeches that could uh, make people think that I would be the best choice, uh, the reality is I would be attacked for uh, being agnostic and having different views on sexuality and stag films and so on and so forth, and then I, I would never win. So that's that's uh, that's the answer to the uh, the question. I'm scrolling. I hope I'm not missing. Let's see. Do you think it's possible for guys and girls to be friends? I say yes, but I keep being told that deep down one of the parties probably wants more than that. I absolutely think the answer is yes. I absolutely think the answer is yes. Now, I guess I could put the disclaimer on that, that I think as long as one of the two parties is in a relationship where they are happy and satisfied, then it can happen. Because if one of the two parties is in a relationship where they're not real happy for whatever reason, uh, then the door can be open. And that's where you can run into some awkward situations. But from my stand, I'm, I'm like, I'm sitting here picturing it right now, and I'm like, yeah, I have like, okay, I would consider her a friend, I consider her a friend, I consider her a friend, and I'm not sure that I would have been able to rattle that off like, you know, 20 years ago. Um, so, you know, because it would always be like, yeah, I sure wouldn't mind, you know, if something happened here. That's not, uh, it's just, it's not even on the radar. It's just not even, it's not even something that that crosses my mind. Um, so I, so that's how I answer the question. I think the answer is absolutely yes. Uh, if you and your family had to leave St. Louis tomorrow, what would you miss most about our city? Well, you know, it's something that we've, we've discussed. It's not something that we're close to doing, but we really, really, really enjoyed living, uh, in Florida in February and March. And we are planning and you never know what the hell's going to happen, especially in this industry, um, on living there in January, February, and March of 2019, already agreed to stay in the same house. Um, that's how much we enjoyed it. I hate, hate the cold weather. Hate it. 
hate it. And as I think about, you know, I'm 41, you know, I, I, I've had a cancer scare, even though it was a misdiagnosis and I didn't live through what so many others dealt with, whether it be, of course, the passing of somebody or chemotherapy, radiation and surviving. Uh, so I certainly wouldn't compare my situation. But once you have that, then you go, oh, my God, you know, you feel invincible. You feel like you've got forever. And then you go, OK, well, let me do some math here. So let's just say I've got 30 years, and I might be lucky to say that. If you live in St. Louis for all 30 of those years, which is certainly possible, 15 of those years, mathematically, if half of the year is freezing or potentially just gray and cloudy and misty, that, that's just not not what I want. That's not what my wife wants. So we happen to be big time on board with, at the very least, not being here during those months. It's just, it's just not, I mean, we're just happier. And I think most people are psychologically happier when they see some sunshine and have some warmth. Um, so then you think about, okay, well, what would we miss? And and to answer the question in 2018, it's our parents and our families. Anna Marie's an only child. I have two brothers and a sister. Uh, that, that if, if, if all of our parents were no longer alive and we were both only children, who knows? We might, we might already be there. Uh, but that's that's one element. The other thing is, and I don't know if this is more hope or if this is more belief. Because, like, for example, I'll look back on the day the Rams moved. I mean, it is of like 2 o'clock. I was hosting a show that day. I did a one-time thing where I hosted a show for an hour because of the magnitude of what was taking place in Houston with the vote. And... Even though I look back on them, I'm like, yeah, it was obvious they were moving. And hell, I had a conversation with Kevin Demoff where I hung up the phone a week beforehand. And I go, well, that's it. It's the Rams and Chargers. And he didn't say that it's the Rams and Chargers. He just laid out the scenario. And I go, well, shit, it's going to be the Rams and Chargers. Still in my mind, I thought, or was it hoped, that there was a chance that the Rams would stay. And hell, Carson won 5-1 to one on the vote, if you remember. But I look back on it and I go, God, was that was that really, did I really think it was possible or was it just, I hoped? So I tell that little anecdote for this reason. I think, or is it hope, that St. Louis is on the precipice of a rebirth, a resurgence. I don't think it's necessarily going on at this moment, but I think the seeds are planted and I say seeds because I think there is now a recognition that we've got problems. Now, many people would say, oh, I've been saying that for a couple of decades. It's not too hard to see it. But now I think it's to the point that even people who would like go after people who would be critical of St. Louis are now going, yeah, we got problems. And it takes an acknowledgement and a recognition of that in order to then have action. And so... It is my belief that once you have the seeds in place that you can then see some action. Uh, now, what will be tangible in the near future, I don't know, but I would miss the rebirth because I think, I think it's going to happen. And I'm not talking about by 2020. I'm talking about over the next 10 years, um, and that's what I would miss. I certainly have close friends, uh, I mean, almost all of my friends live in St. Louis. Um, 
and, you know, just restaurants that we love um, and the pride many people have for the region. Um, so, you know, but I mean, when, when we think about it in 2018, it's, it's like, I, I mean, I've said it to Anna Marie, just like, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'd be, we just had a baby and to move my parents' grandson away, that would be so tough. And I know it would really just, even though there'd be no reason for it to hurt them, I know it would hurt. Uh, so that really, honestly, is when we've discussed it. And to, again, this is in 2018. That is because we have had a serious conversation about it. We've had serious conversations about it. Um, but that's, that's, you know, that's the bottom line. Uh, let's see. got here. Uh, as a sports anchor on television and now as a sports talk radio host, is there any athlete or athletes that you have met that just made you feel like that's one hell of a good guy or gal, not knowing that before you had met? I would also like the opposite, like he or she was a total douche, but I understand if you don't answer that one. Well, let me start with the uh, second one first. Um, I now feel like, to a very, 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 very limited sense, that... I am super sympathetic to an athlete, entertainer, whomever, having a bad moment and then having someone who just wants to, like, shit on them, like, picture a gossip you know, or maybe it's you listening right now, going, yeah, I met him or her, and he or she was a total dick or bitch or whatever they want to throw around. But you never know what people are dealing with that particular day. Now, if, if it's on a if it's on a long term base, and you're like, wow, this person really consistently fucks people over. This person really is consistently shitty to people. That's a large sample size. Um, but like, you know, so I'm currently reading the Tiger Woods book. Armin Katayan is going to be a guest. It's a great interview. We've already done the interview in a couple of weeks. Uh, and you know, he's talking about how Tiger felt like he could never win when he was signing autographs because there were always going to be people he couldn't get to. And the minute he stopped, the people who didn't get an autograph were like, no, Tiger, no, man, that's not cool. They're pissed at him. You cannot, you cannot win. So when I started covering the Cardinals for KMOV and I thought, and I just, I mean, you look back on it, like how naive I thought, oh, they're all going to be friendly and they're all going to be, and then I'm like, yeah, you know, now I see it. I'm like, yeah, I was in their workspace. I was in their clubhouse. Like, God, if I walked into the studio and there were like five Dan Caesars sitting there, it would drive me up the wall. And it's nothing against Dan Caesar or people who cover media. It's just like I want my own time and space with my team, so to speak. So the reason why I don't want to answer that question is unless it's somebody that I spent a bunch of time with, uh, you know, I don't feel like I really have a good gauge on it, you know. And then really, I guess at the, at the top of the list is I just don't, It's unless somebody did something really malicious or deviant or they tried to like cover something up and then act like they were a good person, I, you know, I'm not interested in being personal dirty laundry guy, um, you know. So, you know, I know it makes it perhaps for boredom and it would be more titillating if I did, but that's just not what I'm looking to do. The other one is to who was really a good person that I didn't know or expect. You know, I, I, Kurt, and I, I mean, Kurt Warner is at the, the top of the list, but you knew it going in. He just was better than I anticipated. Um, I'm trying to think because I would really like to give uh, 
a great answer. Kim Anderson from the results to good person ratio. Kim Anderson is the greatest delta without question because you really couldn't have a worse run as a head coach, but you really couldn't be a nicer guy, um, which probably is the reason he got a third year. Uh, let's see. I think Gary Pinkle's a really good guy, and I think he obviously came off harsh at times. I think. Um, oh, I'm, like I said, I'm, I apologize for the dead air, but I'm, I'm, I'm answering these things on the fly, and I'm attempting to give as good of answers as possible. I'm just like rattling through people. Adam Timmerman, I know it's obscure, but I'm just, I remember thinking Adam Timmerman's just a great person. Aeneas Williams, just a great person. Uh, but I'm trying to think of one who I'm like, oh, people thought this person was a dick, but they had it wrong. Joe Strauss would be the one that I talk about often. Now I realize he didn't play, but he's certainly a name many of you are familiar with. And, and as I've said before, I think he almost like was like, he didn't want people to know. It was like a WWE character. He didn't want people to know, uh, how good of a person, um, he would be when it was just like one-on-one, um, can't say enough about both him and Brian Burwell for that matter, but I think people knew Burwell was a good guy. Just a lot of times they just disagreed with what he was saying or writing. Uh, Strauss, they're like, ah, this guy's such a dick. But the thing is, one-on-one, he was a really good guy, caring guy, um, entertaining guy. So, I don't know, I'm trying to think of somebody who just had a reputation as being an ass, but then when it got down to it was really just a good person and I just, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm trying to think of there and I'm just not getting there. So I apologize uh, for not having a great answer to that question. I bet like Frank Cusimano could probably rattle a couple off. Uh, let's see. You've mentioned it often lately in a half joking manner about people DMing you about getting foursomes for the free dotum open. If you knew anyone who had tickets to the Cardinal game, but what is the strangest request you've gotten from someone for being in radio slash news and when you consider bottoming for me? So kind of a two-parter there. Uh, the answer to the last is obviously yes. Uh, let's see. Um, strangest request. Sometimes people really aggressive with charities. The cat and I have talked about this and it's a tough spot because when somebody it's, it, it, I'm going to try to attempt to, to answer it and hopefully it comes off the right way sincerely as it's intended to. Um, with charities, the moment you open the door to one where somebody's just kind of calling in and mentioning it or asking you to do it and Hey, could you just mention it? then understandably it signals green light to many others that, oh, they will mention my charity and that could be huge for the charity. And I think when, when it comes to charities, 80% have the absolute purest of motives because we're talking about like small startup type charities. Um, I think you also have some that have their own financial motives and, or just, they went to attention whore. So, it's so I try not to get into the business of judging which one is which. 
but oftentimes you get in a spot where people come on so strong and they're so relentless. And I think they're doing it because they're doing it in memory of someone super close to them. And so therefore they will fight and fight and fight and fight and fight to honor that person. And so it becomes a, by any means necessary scenario. And then it kind of begins to alienate people who could otherwise help them. Um, and, and it's a tough thing as I'm sitting there thinking like, if like, I mean, for example, it's like a, the worst thought in the world, but if something happened to Anna Marie, if something happened to Jameson, uh, and I started a charity, I mean, I'd be relentless. I'd be absolutely relentless. So I understand it. Um, and that's, that's what, that's when it can, it's just like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's a t- it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing. So it's not like I'm upset at the people who do it um, so much as just saying if you are thinking about starting a charity, if you are operating a charity, be cognizant of, you know, not going to the point where you start to alienate people by being so aggressive. It's a it's a weird thing for me to talk about, but I always want to be honest as much as I can be when I'm sitting here and answering these questions because I know it could come off the wrong way. But if the the goal is to be have the charity be as successful as possible, especially if it's in memory of somebody, you know, you really have to go overboard to get to a point where you have a couple of people going, God, you know who is calling me or emailing me or whatever, and you go, oh, no, because you know what's going on. It's just... You know, there's sometimes like, for example, people operate kind of minor league teams and they're doing everything they can to get attention for the team because at the time, you know, you had the Cardinals, Rams and Blues, Missouri, Illinois, St. Louis, you, you're so far down in the pecking order and you just go, oh God, look who's calling me. You don't want to get in that spot because the reality is we can't, we cannot promote every single charity. We can't, we cannot do it. Um, So it's a, it's a tough spot. Uh, because you want to help, but you also know what the domino effect can be. And then you get in the spot of going, no, then you're saying no. So it's a, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird dance. I know that's not the answer you want. The, the answer you wanted is this one. I had somebody try to set up a, uh, threesome slash foursome with me, uh, via Facebook direct message honored, honored. Uh, but, uh, you know. That, that 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 would be the one that I'm like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Thank you. Flattered. Quite certain you'd be fine if I, I wasn't in attendance. I have an idea of who you're really interested in having being in attendance. And uh, I would not be high on the draft. But uh, that would probably be the one that would stand out to me most. And and, per, and also somewhat persisted about that, too. So I tip my cap. Uh, you know, you got you to gotta shoot to score. Uh, but you don't expect that when you open up uh, your email or direct messages. You can tell your 18-year-old self three things. What are they? Great question. If I had the bell, I would be ringing the bell. This is a great question. Um, Number one, as dumb as it sounds and will only apply to a handful of you listening, don't stop taking Propecia. Do not stop taking Propecia. I guess I didn't start taking it until I was 21, which is still super young, uh, but don't stop taking Propecia. Just as dumb as it sounds, it's so true. Um, Number two, manage your money better. And it's not like I'm like MC Hammer or anything like that. It's just, I like, for whatever reason, 
uh, just, I, I mean, I just didn't manage money. I just, I like, it could have been in a spot where I had, you know, like, you know, like my condo, for example, paid off. And I just, I just didn't do it. I didn't know. It wasn't a case of going, screw it. I need to go out and get some booze and gamble. It wasn't that. It was not knowing. It was just dumb. It's embarrassing. If there's one thing outside of treat others how you want to be treated, don't be an effing bigot, um, and never be arrogant, uh, that I want to pass along to my son, it is being cognizant of money management. Uh, huge thing. So that is something that I would say to my 18-year-old self. Um, and then what would three be? So we got Propecia. We got money management. I want to give a good answer. I want to give a good answer. What if I look back over the last 22, 23 years that I go, yeah, that, oh, I mean, again, it's it's not fair because it's 18, but it, it's, I would have liked to have been, so it's, this is a 24, I suppose, more, when I got the job at KMOV in 2000, it was my dream job, and so it created complacency, not with the job, but with my career, and that that is something I really regret. Um, not because I'd be like, oh, I wish I were working at ESPN or something like that. That's not even what remotely crosses my mind. I wouldn't have stopped taking Propecia then, uh, so that does have a domino effect on that, But uh, because I wouldn't have been able to. But um, just I would have had, I, I know I would have had some some really good opportunities and because I was just like, Oh, I'm in my hometown and I'm doing radio. So I'm making more money than I, you know, growing up where I grew up, not that I grew up in, you know, some horrible, horrible neighborhood, but you know, now being exposed to, you know, whether it be wealth in St. Louis, but you know, real big wealth when we're in Palm beach County, I mean, wealth that, you know, you're talking billionaires uh, and seeing what that world is. I just, I was just like, Oh, I'm making this. That's amazing. I never thought I would make this. I'm happy that's good enough. And then I look back and I go, oh, I had an incredible opportunity and I was happy doing it. Don't get me wrong. But had I hired an agent, um, you know, I know that I, cause I now know the business better. Uh, I could have, you know, who knows what it would have been. And yeah, there were opportunities after I left KMOV. Um, but it pro- I probably would have viewed things differently if I would have like left in 2001, two, three ish. Um, because at that point I hadn't gotten tired of, of television. I don't know. I don't know. But so, so those would be the three. I mean, I really was a terrible, significant other. Um, so that's another thing that I really want to drive home to my son. Um, you know, that, that's something that, um, I don't know what I would tell myself about it. I guess, I guess being a bad, significant other, Um, especially like around that age, when I look back on it, then I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I was like that was rooted in insecurity. Um, which is, I guess it's embarrassing to say, I mean, we're talking 23 years ago, but still, um, and then it leads to just being a crappy at that time boyfriend. Um, and then you just go, oh God, I did that. And oh my God, I did that. Like, oh, I did that. Just like, oh, you're fucking psycho and just gross and oh you know and I, I just look back I'm like oh ugh. so but I mean I don't know I don't know how, I don't know how you I don't know how you navigate that you know I don't know how you navigate that like how do you 
like as a parent, how do you navigate your child at 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, their insecurity, especially now with social media? My God, it's gasoline on the already blazing fire. Um, yeah, but so if I'm, if I'm going straight on the 18, pro, 18 years old, Propecia, money management, and be a better significant other, but, you know, I, I don't know what the hell I could have told myself at 18 other than that vague be a better significant other. I mean, I'm not really giving myself a game plan. The Propecia thing's easy. Keep taking the fucking pill, moron boy. The money management thing is, hey, pay off what you own. Don't just spend money like an idiot, you know? That's but be a better significant other, um, you know. I don't know, just like what specifically at eighteen. If I'm really playing out the hand, what I have said, I have no idea because uh, it's not like I was running around banging a bunch of people. Trust me, uh, nobody was interested. So it was just a case of being like insecure and then just being just awful. So you know, for real, fuck me. All right, what else we got here? Uh, there are a lot. So I, 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 for the purpose of wrapping it up. Um, I will try to find one more here. Um, I'll answer this one. Uh, it's it's a good question. I, I'm, I'm, I'll probably answer it more from the macro standpoint than the, the, exa- the than the specific one. But it, it provides me an opportunity to to answer something that I think is a misnomer in our business, and that is this: the, the question specifically says, "Doug is so funny and crazy talented. How did he not become a national star?" At his big channel, does he guard that side of himself? So Doug, you know, at a very young age was in Miami. Now, Miami wasn't the size that Miami is now, but still, that's a huge accomplishment. I think I think it comes down to this. If Doug wanted to, in 1990 or 91, uh, go and work at ESPN, I don't have a doubt in my mind. Doug couldn't, and this isn't, oh, I, I work with him, so I'll sit here and, you know, give him a bunch of compliments. I have an idea of what those kind of places are looking for, and Doug would Doug Doug could have been a superstar on Sports Center for that era, like his sense of humor and that no question about it, no doubt, not a doubt in my mind. Um, but but oftentimes there is a there is a big misnomer specific to sports casting, as it's the only thing I can speak to, that if you're working in at ESPN, let's just say ESPN, that you're making a bunch of money. And the reality is that's not necessarily the case. Now, I realize in 2018, with all of the layoffs they've had, you're like, they, you might be like, well, of course. But I'm talking about like 15 years ago, that was the case. And I remember talk. I did eventually hire an agent. Uh, and I remember him saying, I'll just give you the exact number. He goes, you know, people think that these jobs on ESPN News are paying like this and that. He goes, but if you're starting out on ESPN News, and keep in mind, always divide by about 60% because you're living in Connecticut and the dollar value is different there than in the St. Louis area. You know, you're making like $85,000. Now, $85,000 in St. Louis, you would view a lot different than $85,000 in Connecticut because you're talking about, you know, the value of a dollar being thirty-seven five, forty thousand, 40000 And so people see people on TV and it's like one of the things that, I mean, I, I don't I mean, I mean, recently, even when I was out playing golf with just, you know, when I was down in Florida, I was, I was down there, you know, with my wife, she wasn't playing golf. Uh, and people go, so what is, so how'd you start out in broadcasting? Well, I actually did television, but I left because I was making more money in radio. And then they always go, really? And I go, yeah, it's it, it, like, not just like a little bit, a good amount more. I go, really? I would never think that. And I go, yeah. And it's like, I, like TV people, I think hate when I say that. Now I guess it's more okay because it's kind of like obvious that local news is what it is now. But like 12 years ago when I would say that, 
I think they were like irritated because it was like, let's we're celebrities and we're making a bunch of money. And at the time, yes, some people were, but not most. Uh, because again, it's economics. If you have 200 people wanting one position, the one person who gets the offer doesn't have a whole lot of leverage. That's the business. Uh, especially if you have zero impact on the bottom line outside of your expenditure being greater than the other person who's willing to take less money. So it's just like any other business. Now, if you generate revenue, then it's game changer. So my point is, is that I think for people like whether you want to cite Doug as an example, uh, you know, Martin Kilcoin, another person who I think could have, if he wanted to, uh, gone elsewhere. Steve Savard, my recent guest on the podcast. We talked about that on that podcast, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, in my case, you know, the cat uh, was in the mix at ESPN. I'm going to try and do the thing where I make sure I don't leave anybody out and then people don't read into it. Um, oftentimes, the grass isn't greener. And it's not that you don't, you have to get to the other side to realize that you know it in the mid, in the middle of it. So, if you have a family or if you're for, from here, and that's the case for me, Doug, and Martin, and this is what you want to do and you have a good situation, you're like, yeah, I don't want to go ad lib over Nuggets highlights, you know, at one in the morning. Or I don't want to be up at, you know, three in the morning to do, to do Sports Center for something that, you know, I mean, where is it really going? That's what I, that's what I played through when I would have opportunities. Like, where is this going? Like, that's... Not just like, oh, I can I can live in Denver, New York, and that's going to be the greatest, and people think I'm great. But if I'm not enjoying it, and if it doesn't really have a point, like a long-term point, then what what am I doing? Um, and so my answer to the specific question is, could Doug, I agree 100%, 100%, because his sense of humor is so unique. Like Martin, and I did a show with Artie Lang, uh, and I would compare the two as far as quickness goes so similarly. Uh, but Doug's sense of humor is different than any other kind of sense of humor that I've worked with. And that's why I wanted to bring him on when we knew we were revamping the show in 2007 because he had made me laugh, as Savard and I discussed on that podcast, if you haven't listened to it, uh, so damn hard. But nobody knew it because he didn't really do it on KMOV. And now KMOV is tapping into the radio persona and have him doing his rants. But as far as could he have, I mean, there's no question, because he's just ridiculously talented. I mean, Savard said he's the most talented person he he worked with. And I had Seymour stop recording, and I started scolding Savard for not saying it was me. It was a really awkward thing. But he's so talented uh, that that there's no question that he could, but he probably didn't want to. I mean, he lived in Miami. He talks about, like, he, you know, it's not like he looked like really enjoyed that. Um you know, as far as like Miami, you know what it what it was was at the time, um, and then you know if you have an opportunity and you live here and you love it, you know it's not like it's not like somebody's going to go oh you're in St. Louis doing doing sportscasts let us give you a three year multi million dollar deal to host a show in Los Angeles. There is a process to get from here to there, and there is risk associated with that process. And if you're happy, as somebody once told me, somebody you would know, not somebody locally, but somebody nationally, when I was considering leaving. Don't fuck with happiness. Something very simple. But, but, and I, and I remember him saying that and I go, well, shit, now what do I do? Because I am happy here and now I'm thinking about doing this. And he's specifically telling me, are you happy? Well, yeah, I really enjoy it. That's it. Don't fuck with happiness. It's exactly what he said. So there, now, now we have two lessons. That's what we're getting out of questions from the audience. Find something you love to do and find somebody to pay you to do it. 
That's that's our first commandment. Second one is don't fuck with happiness. There it is. There's there's where we are. That's where we'll end with uh, for our questions from the audience. Uh, submit your questions, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Not all will get read, uh, but I appreciate it. Also appreciate your feedback on the podcast. Certainly appreciate our sponsors. Uh, Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Studio sponsor online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Five minutes can save you $500. If you like these podcasts, I'm telling you, we need sponsors. Just being as transparent as the day is long. Um, and so, you know, hey, as much as I enjoy doing them, if it's if it's losing money, I can't keep doing them. And it's just that's just that's pure economics. So if you're on board, uh, sponsor the podcast and you've heard James Carlton being on board from the beginning as well. James Carlton, 314-961-4800 is uh, your uh, should be your State Farm insurance rep. And I've said this and I've said it often and I realize, listen, you know, it can be like, oh, you're doing a spot. So you're saying it and I get it. But here's the thing about James is that. I've gotten to know him, and I've gotten to know how well he knows his industry, and I couldn't be more impressed with him. I really couldn't be more impressed. And now I get when I first met him, and he showed me, like, the Facebook reviews and the Google reviews, and I'm going, wow, people sure are excited about getting insurance from you. And I'm thinking, what in the hell is wrong with these people that they're that excited about an insurance transaction? Well, now I'm like, I get it. This guy knows what he's doing. He's good, and he's got a great business and a great group of people. So for sure, if you are looking to make the switch— this is an endorsement I can do all day long. CarltonInsurance.net, 314-961-4800. If your insurance costs you a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. All right. For the executive producer of this fine podcast, The Sea Monster, for our videographer, Nick Yale, for our sponsors, Ryan Kelly and James Carlton, and all of you, thank you for listening and submitting your questions for another edition of Questions from the Audience here on The Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.